Our God is good this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. I'm excited about being in the house of the Lord. Whenever I, I work here, so I'm always happy in the house of the Lord. It's a good thing to be happy in the house of the Lord. Amen. These are just a few of our announcements. We just welcome you this morning. How many know we are close to graduation? Oh, there's just a, how many glad you graduating? Okay, there's just a few. Of, I'm graduating. I don't know about you, but I'm graduating. Amen. 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 I'm excited about it. So we welcome you, and we just have a few announcements. The annual Capernaum Talent Show is tomorrow at 7 p.m. in Coles Auditorium. And if you don't know about Capernaum, Capernaum is a ministry through Young Life for high school students and young adults with special needs. And many of our Whitworth students are Capernaum leaders, so we thank God for your ministry. Uh, you're invited to a great night celebrating the gifts and joy of these wonderful young people. So if you don't have anything to do on tomorrow, 7 p.m. in Coles Auditorium, let's go and support our, our leaders in Capernaum. Amen. And, and I just thank God for the power of prayer. Prayer is good. I don't know about you, but I need prayer every chance I get. Do you need prayer, President Taylor? Amen. That's why it's good to pray for our president and the president. Can I get an amen? Uh-huh, because if you don't pray for him, you're praying against yourself. I'm just saying. <laughs> so it's good to pray for, he's, the word of God says, pray for those who have uh, authority over you, have leadership over us, and we need to be praying for our country. And we need to be praying for each other. And, and as I pray, we want to thank God for our very own Dottie Morlang. You know, she was in the hospital. And I thank God that she's doing well. We thank God for that. So as you, uh, many of you know who Dottie is. Dottie worked with us in, 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 in ministry here. She has a ministry. And we thank God for her and Roger. So as we go into prayer, we don't have to beg or plead God for anything. Amen? He's already done it. He's already touched her body. She's already doing good. So let us pray. Spirit of the living God, we thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for healing Dottie, God. We thank you for the praise report. Your word says, whose report are you going to believe? And we are believing the report of the Lord. We thank you for healing Dottie. We thank you that she's sitting up. We thank you that the words that she is going to speak will be powerful to say, you give me something to eat. <laughs> We thank you for that, God. We thank you for our students, faculty, and staff here at this campus. We thank you for our president, Beck Taylor, that he's continued to lead and guide us in this campus. We thank you for every student who may be going through something that we know not of, but God, you know. And we thank you, God, for leading and navigating them through their journey. Through their journey. So, God, we thank you as far as comes with the word of God, that we not only be hearers of your word, but we listen to the word of God as we travel through encountering with Jesus in the book of Psalms. And, God, we love you. We give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. And all of God's children said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Steffi. So good. That's a joy to be back with you and we continue in the series in the Psalms of encountering Jesus in the Psalms and, and being living honestly before God together. And today we, we encounter another one of those Psalms of laments, which make up the majority of the Psalms, right? These Psalms that basically give us permission to say, God, help in the midst of our struggles. We don't have to look very far in our world to find places and reasons to say help, right? 
I mean, the headlines every day, almost, even since last week, the, the horrible images of those children in Syria and others suffocating to get death because of the, that chemical poisoning. Or just on Sunday morning, as we are worshiping, maybe some of you in churches on Palm Sunday, those bombs going off in Egypt, those churches, as they worshiped, they need and cry out for help. It's everywhere we go. We see and, and very commonly recognize the suffering in our world. But it's not just those big headline things. It also happens more quietly in all of us. We've all experienced and know suffering from the inside, right? Big and small ways. We've seen it in, in maybe a, on a trip somewhere. You saw poverty for the first time and the suffering that can come from that. You thought, whoa. Or sometimes, you know, we, we think, oh, it's only those big things. Only they have the real suffering. But no, all suffering is real suffering. And remember the suffering of someone close to you dying. I remember when my, my grandpa died, that my grandpa who taught me how to fish and how to throw a baseball and how to mow a lawn right with those perfectly straight lines. And uh, I did. And, 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 and <laughs> when he died when I was 13, and that loss, and what happened, and why, and how. I remember the suffering, but maybe no one else even saw this, but the suffering as, as a child, being overweight and being made fun of and bullied because of that. And that suffering is real, too. Suffering comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. It's not just the big headline news. We all know suffering from the inside, whether it's family or those nearby us. We've seen it firsthand and those around us in ourselves, physically, emotionally, uh, mentally. We know suffering. We know the suffering, some of us, uh, uh, of what it feels like to be marginalized because of who we are and feeling those macro or microaggressions again and again. We know the suffering of physical illness. We know the suffering of losing someone when they shouldn't have, their time shouldn't have come yet. And our psalm today is the ultimate psalm that addresses this question that, those, that suffering brings up. Where is God? Where is God in the suffering? Where is God in those moments, in those times? Psalm 22, a psalm that we find in Jesus' lips as he hangs on the cross. It's a psalm that from the very beginning of, of, the, of the Christian tradition has been associated with Jesus. From the very beginning, in, in, even in the Gospels, written in 50s, 60s, 70s, they were saying this, this psalm is talking about Jesus. Verse 7, 8, 14, 15, 17, 18 are all quoted in, in reference to Jesus' last 24 hours suffering. The, the apologists in the second century used this scripture actually to, to try to prove, hey, obviously, Jesus is the Messiah. Because look, to you Jewish people, look, this psalm was talking about him. And Augustine says it most clearly. He says, the passion of Christ is recounted in this psalm as clearly as in the Gospels. Only it was written who knows how many years earlier. This psalm, the people of God have always understood as talking about Jesus. From the very beginning, and the experience that Jesus had in this last week of his life that we're in right now, leading up to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And so Psalm 22, it's a long one, and I, but I, I really, I want to see the whole thing, so we're going to go for it, all right? We're going to try. And I, I believe in, I just want us to, be, to join the people of God throughout the ages by speaking these psalms out loud. So we're going to at least speak the first half out loud. It's going to be on the screen for you. It's long, so take a deep breath. We can do it, all right? Ready, go. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. 
and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. Well done. God's word to us today. That's more than half. Don't worry. <laughs> I think this psalm tells a story. It tells a story for us today. And it's a story that starts in a place of goodness and beauty and peace. We almost don't notice it because we so quickly are shocked by that first verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But don't rush. Did you hear the first words? My God. My God. That's where the psalmist starts. He starts this place of knowing this God. This is a specific God. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God who has come through in the past. This God of covenant love. Who we've learned about loves justice and hates evil. This God who comes to us and rescues us and knows us and calls us to himself. My God. And not just any God out there, but mine. The God I know. The God I know and then as I know, the God we know together as the people of God. Our God. This is where the story starts. My God, I know this God. It's like when I was growing up, I didn't grow up going to church or part of knowing about God. And so as I first heard about Jesus in high school at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting and then got a Bible and started reading it, I started to, to learn about this God. No longer was it just my friends or that church that I once I saw, you know, driving past each day. This slowly I started to trust Jesus and said, this is now a God who I know who he is. And not just who I know who he is, but this is now my God, before whom I kneel and submit to and trust. And I know this God loves me and cares for me. My God, this God has a character, and I know him. But then it goes from there, very quickly, things go wrong. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? The words of my groaning. God, where are you in the suffering? In the brokenness and suffering of our world that we all have experienced and do experience, the psalmist says, God, where are you? Where are you? And these words that we hear on Jesus' lips as he hangs on the cross that Good Friday thousands of years ago, Jesus, as a human, experienced God's judgment on human sin. Jesus, as a human, experienced what it felt like to say, ask this question, God, where are you in the midst of this suffering? He felt that in himself on that cross and in that Passion Week. Why have you forsaken me? And then the psalm, it doesn't get easier, actually, gets, the story gets harder from there. And we see in verses 3 through 18, this kind of, this rhythm where at first it starts, okay, uh, God, remember how you came through for our ancestors. Remember all the ways you delivered them? But, God, you're not delivering me. You're not doing it. Why aren't you doing it? And then, God, remember how you took care of me from my mother's womb. You know me. You're, my God, remember? And then, no. God, but look at my situation right now. The, the, the bowl, the, the, I'm poured out like water. My mouth is thirsty. The dogs are yelling. My hands are pierced. They cast lots for my clothing in front of me. And it ends in that the section we read, verses 19 and 21. God, do not be far away. Help me. Deliver me. Save me. Eugene Peterson, the great pastor and author, says that the Psalms basically speak the most simple language of, human, of humanity. And in the Psalms of Lament, the simple language of humanity is this. Help! Help! It's like a child crying out when they fall. Help, Dad! Help, Mom! This is the word of the psalmist and the word that we are invited to and even given permission to Cry out to God in the same way. In our suffering, God invites us to say, help! Help, God! You're my God. Help me! Help me! And then something crazy happens. And it changes. The second part of the psalm, let's read it together. From the horns of wild oxen, you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. So something changes. 
right? The tone of the story changes. It's got from good to bad to worse. And now, you've rescued me. God comes through. God comes through. He made it. He's delivered me. And everyone, hey, come praise with me. Come worship God with me. It's so good. Come on, this is amazing. God reigns. God is king. God is deliverer. God is my God. The God I knew, I knew he loved me. I knew he would come through. My God, he did come through. God was there all along. We think of these words on Jesus' lips on the cross, and there, there's, a, there's a, a, sometimes a misinterpretation, as I understand it, of what happens on that cross. And I'd love to talk more about it. We can't talk much about it this morning, but... Jesus, as he experienced the human experience of suffering, as he experienced the wrath of God on sin and evil, as he carried that for us, God did not abandon him. God did not abandon Jesus on the cross. God did not turn away from Jesus on the cross. There's a picture Masaccio painted, an Italian painter, that shows us this, this image. The Father did not leave Jesus. See the next one, Brendan. The Father's there holding Jesus on the cross and the Spirit hovering above, empowering Jesus to stand to hang on that cross. God, the triune, eternal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, who from eternity chose to rescue us and love us, chose to do that and was there at the cross enabling and with Jesus in that moment of human, deep, deep human suffering. Where was God in the suffering? He was there. Where is God in our suffering in Jesus? We find out he is here. Yes, Jesus was condemned as, as took on our curse for us, but God did not abandon him, and God has not abandoned us in the midst of our suffering. And the way we know that is because of Jesus. God shows us in Jesus that he does not abandon us and leave us in our suffering, but actually comes to us, alongside us, suffers with us and in our place, and promises a hope of deliverance that only he can bring. See, in Jesus, we see, and we see this week, in the midst of the most heinous suffering we could imagine, it wasn't the end of the story. That is sent into hell to, 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 to take on death and evil face on, it wasn't the end of the story. And we see on Sunday, we're going to celebrate, Right? We're going to celebrate like the second half of this psalm. Come, worship with me. God did it. He reigns. Praise God. Come on. It's so good. He's our deliverer. Can you believe it? He is risen. That doesn't minimize the suffering. That doesn't make it seem like there was less. It doesn't pretend it wasn't there. It says God comes into our suffering, meets us there, and, and promises now or in the, in the new creation to make it right. This is the goodness of God we see in Jesus in Psalm 22. Come on up, man. Where is God in the suffering? He's with us. We know in Jesus, and because of that, we have hope. Let's stand and sing together.